Folks, welcome back to the SoCo Show. Oh, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> well, hey there, folks. It's time one. for the county round. Oh, Let's go ahead and get our chickens and our cows. And <laughs> Big Jim, little Jim, <laughs> Slim Jim. Oh wow, that was uh, wow. That, that's it's really unfortunate because I I didn't I don't know where that accent came from, but it was a mistake. And we don't really do second takes here on the SoCo show. So that's that's the way this episode opens. This here's um, Cowboy it, it, Cody. This is Cowboy Co. I'm joined as always by, uh, by what do you call yourself? Uh, Sheriff partner? Seth. <laughs> Sheriff Seth is here, uh, along with Judge Howdy, Jared. <laughs> hey, welcome, welcome back, y'all. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right, good. That, that, that gets us back into the current. Um, this is yes, a big episode. Number one hundred and fifty, uh, our se- our sesquicentennial, which is a thing. Um, episode number one hundred and fifty of the Soco Show. We we haven't really made a lot of pomp and circumstance around it because our our third anniversary is is approaching soon, and we'll we'll make a bigger deal out of that. But pretty cool. Uh, one hundred and fifty episodes. Uh, feel feels good to have done all of them with you and about half of them uh, with Jared as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's longer than the United States has been the United States. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> I'm going to assume you are. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, uh... Oh, man. Um, Sesquicentennial episode 150 is going to be pretty much like the episodes you've seen lately. Uh, we've got some topics and things that we're going to talk about. We've got some reviews that are going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we are going to open with, I don't know what, um, because it sounds like the two of you are aware of something that I am yet not. Um, so Seth, what is this, what is this that you're bringing to the, to the table here to open the show with? Yeah. Um, so there, of course, just as my life seems to, uh, include a lot of as is content from podcasts and so there's one podcast uh, we mentioned on the on the show before uh bad friends um where uh bobby lee and andrew santino uh just comedy podcasts kind of discuss things and and you know take jabs at each other and that type of thing and they brought up something this week that i was not aware of and so i had jared check out that portion of the podcast as well um but there's a secret item on the taco bell menu that I was not aware of Jared. Did, have you? Were you aware of it when you check, checked it out? I feel like I've seen it. I didn't know the name of it, and I thought that it was always a menu item, but apparently it no longer exists. Okay, so it's. I did not have any idea of this, but it's called the uh, Enchirito, and basically it's a, a burrito that's covered in like an enchilada sauce. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's a bean cheese. burrito. Yeah, bean burrito. You can get to, you can get meat in it though. I looked it up later, so you can Whoa, get like okay. You can get <laughs> you can uh, so it's composed of a flour tortilla with seasoned ground beef, um, or you can get chicken, um, beans, diced onions, cheddar cheese, and red sauce. And it's an item that was one. It's been in and out of rotation at Taco Bell, but basically they they if you ask for it, they will make it. So, like if you go right yes. now, they'll they'll make it. Is it, does it come on a plate or something? Yep. It's topped with stuff? It comes on a plate? 
Yeah, yeah it comes I in like one of those. Taco uh, Bell is like, even having plates in the building. If you were to get like nachos, it comes in one of those things, like the black bowl oh, plate. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah, I kind of like to go containers or whatever. Yeah. An enchirito. I'm not. Well, it doesn't roll off the tongue like a lot of their menu items do. do so I'm not surprised it's not on the menu. I, I am familiar with the quesarito. Which yeah. Is one of my favorite menu items: quesadilla slash burrito, which is fantastic. Oh, it's that's probably what I'm having for dinner tonight, you guys. <laughs> but uh, ench. Say it again. Enchirito. 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 Ooh. Um, I will, I, this doesn't sound appetizing to me. It's not something I would order, but are you guys like revved up to try this out next time you go to Taco Bell? I don't know. That, that's what I like, Jared. I, I don't know. Like I was, that's part of my discussion I, that I wanted to have is like, would you, would you do it just to do it? Like, is this something you'd ask for at the sake of maybe looking stupid too? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> believe me. I, I've, uh, I, I think it was the podcast that failed was the heated toasted story. So I am, uh, more <laughs> than willing to make myself look like a fool at any fast food restaurant ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm more than willing to try that. Like, especially since like the whole fact that it was, it's more than just a bean burrito. Like if it was just a bean burrito, I'm like, eh. I'm not really feeling this. Like I, I like you know some, some substance, some meat in my uh, Taco Bell food or whatever they call meat or classify meat at that restaurant. <laughs> so yeah, I'd I'd try it out. I think that yeah they'd they'd probably be like, there'd be some people that are upset or pissed that you have to do it or just completely not even make it. You know they'll they'll be like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like if the, if you said I want a enchirito. I feel like it would be they would try to correct you to something that exists. Like not even not even on purpose saying like I don't want to make the enchirito, but like it sounds like all their other shit. So like <laughs> if I said I want an enchirito and someone went, "Do you mean a quesadilla? Do you mean quesarito? a quesarito?" Uh what is that what it's called? I think quesarito? it's a quesarito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would say, "Do you mean a quesarito?" and I I probably just go, "Yeah." I feel like that's how that's most likely to go. Unless maybe it's a well-known, you know, like In-N-Out has the really popular um, hidden menu, um, which is, I guess, a reason why people get really stoked about In-N-Out because you can feel like you're in on the secret. Is that Ooh. the appeal here? Because to me, the, f- the food itself, the the, yeah. the, the uh, enchirito doesn't sound appetizing to me, but I guess it, the novelty of it maybe is, maybe is attractive. Is that, Seth, what you're more thinking? Because there's better yeah. food, I'm sure, at Taco Bell. Yeah, I kind of just want to try it, just to like try and order it and see what happens. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. That seems like could be an embarrassing encounter. So maybe if like, maybe on our trip to, uh, I don't want to drive with it. I was gonna say maybe on our trip to, <laughs> to the Lake of the Ozarks that we have coming up, um, you know, we could I could try it out. So maybe if I'm not driving on that trip <laughs> down to the and we stop at a Taco Bell, I'll try it out. Yeah, I think well, that kind of item is more of like, you know, a third date, sit down, candlelit dinner type. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I have an anniversary coming up I need some ideas for. So Get some Maybe couple anchoritos. Get, get two anchoritos. Man, light a couple candles, get a bottle of wine. Sounds Ooh. romantic. Ooh. Well, also another <laughs> funny thing. Um, Taco Bell... I'm sorry, but everything on the menu is made from five ingredients. So you could make oh, yeah. anything up. You could go in there and say something and see if they make it for you. Yeah. <laughs> the only difference between any two items in Taco Bell is how many chips they put in. <laughs> yes, yes. 
and whether or not they're Doritos. Those are the only two variables that exist at Taco Bell. Oh, man. I will say, though, for, for all of their Tex-Mex experimentation that they've done, perhaps the greatest thing, and whoever invented this should have a Nobel Prize, and I know Seth will agree with me, the Crunchwrap Supreme mm-hmm. is a quantum leap in food technology. Like, it was like a running joke when they brought it out that it's good to go, right? And you, mm-hmm. you can have it on the move. But that shit stands up. It is durable. You can eat it anywhere. Uh, two of them will fill Seth up after <laughs> no. a night of drunken debauchery. Yeah, two of them. Two, it's the, the, anyone wants to know the, the no puke, uh, the no puke, <laughs> uh, uh, medicine, essentially it's, it's two Crunchwrap Supremes at 2am. That's, it's gotta be all twos. If you have it at 3am, it's already too late. You've already drank, you've already had an extra hour of drinking. You're screwed anyway. You can get the two Crunchwraps, but expect to see them, uh, shortly after. But if you get two <laughs> Crunchwrap Supremes at 2am, no barf. Hmm. If I tried to eat two of those things at any time of day, <laughs> does Dude. that method work? So let's say let's say Jared eats a few slices of meat lovers pizza from Pizza Hut. Yeah. yeah. Will will the will the Crunchwrap Supremes prevent him from throwing up? No, that's different. That's sickness. Um, this okay. is I'm talking just about. For this, drinking. Is, this is just drinking. So um, gotcha. yeah, two Crunchwraps. Um, Two Crunchwrap Supremes before 2 a.m. That's that's, so, that's a really that's a confusing ass callback that I'm not going to explain. Uh, so I'm I'm pizza. curious here. I got <laughs> yeah. I, I I guess this is launching me into another situation. So uh-huh. that's like the Taco Bell secret menu or whatever. And I'm going to try to pull up a picture for you guys. Obviously, the listeners can't see the picture. Um, but what other like fast food places or anywhere you've been that has like a secret menu that has been something you've maybe ordered from or you've always wanted to try? I um, I don't know any secret menu items, but I do. Do you guys know what a McGangbang is? <laughs> yeah, isn't that where it's just a double cheeseburger and a McChicken? Oh man. I, yeah, thought the, you I thought that was the lost episode you... of the Ronald McDonald show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope it's lost. Um, if they see that, actually, you're pulling up a picture right now of the Enchirito. It, it looks good. To it, me. Looks it looks like, like a hefty you get burrito. Actual, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks like you'd get it in an actual Mexican restaurant. That actually looks appetizing. And I'm really hungry right now. So that I would get. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that looks good. It, it's probably because they're like, it's like, um, it's like Ready Player One when you find the you know the final egg. It's the same thing here. It's like you found the secret item. You get to have all of the meat in here. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, on I, yeah. I pulled up a menu here of the thir- It's like thirty fast food secret menu items, and yes, the Enchirito inch- is on this list. But like, there's the Five Guys Patty Melt, where I guess they take buns and flip them inside out and grill them like a patty melt. Um, what? trying to think so well yeah like in and out has animal style yep okay uh, yeah yeah mcdonald's make gangbang right here for cody yeah they it's on them it's a secret menu you can or see i always thought it was just the kind of thing that people ordered and did themselves that's can what i thought too directly from them? so so apparently it, also, yeah they say combining a mcchicken and a double cheeseburger so you take the mcchicken and shove it in between the two patties but I was waiting in the line for like a half hour for McGangbang. I just wanted and it to never make, came. I wanted to McGangbang me. They just gave me my coffee without the McGangbang, so I drove away. Oh wow, wow. That's well. You know what is you? You shouldn't use the app because people like paying for your McGangbangs for you. <laughs> that was the problem. 
Wow. What did the person be- uh, b- is... uh, behind me have? Well, they have a McGangbang. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all that that is a thing that exists, combining those two sandwiches. But the fact that everyone calls it the McGangbang, that is weird to me. That stands out as something. Like, why? Why are we all calling it that? I heard that from one guy, and that one guy, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the kind of shit he would call this thing. But, like, to know that you know what that is and that's what it's called on the internet is strange to me. This yep. is news. I thought, I I thought it, this was much more of a, of a niche. I think it it's one of those weird things where – because I heard this maybe five years. I don't know. It was in college, I feel like. And it had to have started or the someone somewhere found it and it spread like wildfire from, like, Urban Dictionary or something. Or some mm-hmm. – one of their just, like – high or drunk or just fat friends was like i would like a mcgangbang please and they're like what is that i'm not even gonna lie right now i thought i i totally forgot we're doing a podcast i thought this was a conversation we're having outside the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i mean it could be it could be where are we are we like in the reviews like what's going on right now McGangbang spreading the word the same exact way that Hot Carl got spread. Oh no, no. <laughs> pretty, pretty effective. And by the way, you shouldn't. If you're spreading your Hot Carl, you're doing it wrong. Oh, that's not what it is. With a butter knife. And, uh, Good oh, God. No. This. Uh, oh, that's nasty. Yikes! Emphasis on the butt and butter knife. Holy cow! <laughs> and emphasis um, on yikes. Ew. <laughs> oh my God! I don't, secret menu items like cool. I get it. I get that it's cool because it's a secret. But if it were, like, really that good, just put it on all the time. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Same way I feel about the McRib. And I like the McRib. But it it's only as good. It, people only think the McRib is as good as it is because it comes and goes. Um, but it's back. Some point, yeah, well, it's back. It's always fucking back. It's back. <laughs> McGangbang is back at McDonald's. I don't know. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Wow. I, I gotta say, uh, I'm always surprised with the shit you show up to the show with, um, but I could not have even, even in my wildest, I couldn't have imagined we'd be talking about secret Taco Bell menu items. So, mm-hmm. glad that you guys brought that to the show. That's via Bad Friends, uh, which is another another podcast, video podcast on YouTube that these guys like a lot. Maybe we'll link to it. I know we've talked about it in the past, but I'll link to it in the description box in case you want to go check that one out. Just promise before you go check it out that you're still going to come back and listen to us <laughs> because mm-hmm. we, d- we don't need to replace this podcast time with new stuff. So yeah, that, you can add. That show's way better. So <laughs> that's a fair point. Yeah, that's a fair point. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, moving on from fast food <laughs> and poop jokes, um, we again have a lot to talk about. We got some reviews uh, and we got some interesting topics. The, the movie world continues to shift and shape. Um, you know, it's, it's return, uh, all that and more, uh, on this week's episode of the SoCo show. But before we get into any of that, you know, we got to do some chic tweets. I call you a punk. This is crazy. This is pretty, uh, pretty apt to what we were just talking about, but Iron Sheik says, uh, McRib is, (laughs) McGangbang is back at McDonald's, baby. (laughs) No way. No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would have been fucking crazy. What's it actually say? Um, this one is is just just as I botched it. Uh, Iron Sheik kind of botched what he was what he was tweeting. Um, he said, 
somewhere around over the rainbow, go fuck yourself. So I don't think he fully knew what the title of the song actually is. Um, so he just kind of he just kind of hedged his bets and put over and around in the in the title. Over and around the rainbow. That is, mm-hmm. go fuck yourself. Around over the rainbow, a, go fuck yourself. I think that's a shot at people who uh, are in Kansas. So if you're in Kansas, and uh, for the sake of this, for the sake of this point. Um, this includes if you're in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, we'll extend Kansas for now. Uh, go fuck yourself is what the Sheik is saying. Uh, I'm talking to you specifically, one of our contributors. Uh, the Sheik is telling you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> and also, if you say just saying, you can go fuck yourself, says Iron Sheik. Oh, I agree with him there. If you say just saying, go fuck yourself. Just That's saying. some quantum shit right there from Sheiky Baby. I call you a punk. Right, got to shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. <laughs> Mathis Designs. Head on over to etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Paid. And of course, Mike's Wood. Head over to etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your wood worked. Oh. Excellent, excellent harmonization there. Uh, let's go to one more ad. Here's a previously recorded one from Anchor. Great stuff, great stuff as <laughs> always. Uh, big shouts out to our <laughs> Anchor contributors, uh, of course, here in the house. At Jared Buckendall. As well as Mike V, Casey C, and Anna S. Certainly appreciate your contributions every month, but especially the month of June. Um, this podcast is recording after the conclusion of June. Um, so we are here to let you know that all of our ad revenue and, uh, contributor revenue for the month of June is going to support the Black Lives Matter movement. So we, uh, we're making a donation of our anchor bank and then Seth and I are going to be also putting a partial match to that. Um, I guess we haven't talked about a final dollar amount, but it's at 4249 right now. 42 so we'll match that maybe maybe we what do you think seth can we get it up to an even 100 bucks maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> if if we don't yeah, have many um, i think so we can do enchiritos yeah we were gonna eat an enchirito and instead we'll donate that money to the price so <laughs> we'll round out uh an even 100 bucks from the soco show going to support the black lives matter movement we'll dole that out over a couple of charities um and uh maybe we'll post about it uh, so that you guys can can check that out so a big thank you once again to everyone who not only is a contributor in the month of june but who listened to the show who clicked on an episode maybe you shared it with a friend uh you've made a difference this month not only to us but to to something bigger so we we certainly appreciate your support and uh if you jumped on uh, with that in mind we hope you stick around in july we'll we'll of course you be keeping the money but um, <laughs> If you, uh, if you like what you've heard, uh, we hope you stick around in July and, and into perpetuity. Um, so, again, thank you for, uh, for your part in that. So, um, guys, I mentioned before, uh, before we got to Sheet Tweets that the, the landscape of film continues to change. And this is something we've talked about on many recent weeks. Uh, as recently as last week, we talked about Regal uh, opening on July 10th with a slate of classic movies and new releases that they were going to be putting out. But today we get news from AMC that they are pushing their opening back 
um, by a few weeks. So AMC's opening date, I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah, this is Cinema Blend uh, reporting. It used to be July 15th for AMC. Now July 20th is the target date. That comes after Mulan and Tenet both have moved back into August. So uh, I don't I don't really know if this is a case of, you know, you kind of have the chicken and the egg, right? You can't put a movie in the theaters without a theater, but you can't open the theater without movies to put in it. So, um, you know, this is a case where someone's going to need to be first. Someone's going to need to decide and stick to a date. Um, but besides the chicken that's being played by the theaters and the studios, we've also seen a resurgence in many states of COVID-19 cases uh, over this last couple weeks. <clears throat> in some places, uh, severe enough that they've had to go back into lockdown or are considering doing so in order to stop the spread because we're seeing levels like we did back in April. So this, of course, is not welcome news to us because we want to get back to the theaters. But um, what are your guys' thoughts around this? Do you think that it's going to be the theaters that will dictate? Do you think it's going to be the studios that will dictate? Or do you think we still need to be having this conversation much further down the road <laughs> after, after we've gotten our, a handle on this COVID thing? <laughs> I, I think talk to us in 2021. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, I think ultimately, 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 it's gonna be the uh, it's gonna be the the studios that kind of decide because, like as we've seen at the, you know both the big movies, and you've seen a lot of the 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 press statements that have come out from the theater chains is that they're gonna be open in time for you know Tenet, you know that type of thing in, in the past since since you know early June or late May, you know they they all say they'll be open in time for for Tenet. So that right there, I think tells you that. They're waiting on the big movie to release. That's where they're gonna they're gonna make most of their money. Um, you know, there's, I think you're still gonna see some theaters open up to play the classics like they have been, so that they can get some sort of revenue. Um, I, you know, from I, I guess I haven't seen a whole lot of numbers or anything, but it doesn't seem like a lot of people are even going to the movies, even with that stuff in there. Um, you know, you see, I think the one week that Jurassic Park was number one it made like five hundred thousand dollars or something like that which is like nothing you know with the amount of the amount of theaters and i think that includes uh drive-in even potentially so um you know it's it's just one of those things where i i think they're gonna open up and kind of see the numbers um with the classics and then really have a big opening like open all the theaters if it's a chain open up all the theaters once you know that we get a couple weeks out from tenant Mm -hmm. I could definitely see that, you know, maybe some smaller and local theaters and regional ones even might be able to open more strategically. But for the AMC, Regal, uh, Marcus, it kind of seems like we're going to maybe play this game for a bit longer um, because they're certainly waiting well, to open up everything at once along with a blockbuster, you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, national chains probably, but like uh, Marcus has opened up um, a handful of locations and they're continuing to do so, so... Uh, where it's less impacted around because their their locations are mainly Midwest. It's not as not as prevalent as you know New York, L.A., Chicago type of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm curious too. Okay, so now we know it's at least going to be August. Um, chances are that's going to get moved again. Uh, Jared, it sounds like you're maybe packing it in and saying, "Okay, talk to me in 2021 when this becomes <laughs> realistic." But is that 
Uh, one thing that Seth just mentioned was drive-ins. Uh, we have seen more drive-ins pop up, more drive-ins kind of uh, reopening in places where they were, and, and some folks have flocked to them. But it, if, if it's a case where we're talking about waiting potentially another multiple months before we can get to the theater, are you going to start seeking things out like drive-ins, or are you content to watch from home and, and just kind of pack it in until, like you said, 2021? Yeah, I mean, obviously the twenty. I I would say the twenty twenty one's a a bit of a joke, a little sarcasm. But then again, it's like it, it could happen. Um, uh-huh. because these the you know these theaters, these these studios, every they're waiting on each other. But the studios are kind of in the driver's seat where they're like, we want monies for our movie because we spent a lot of monies on it. Um, so who knows what's gonna happen there? But while uh, Seth was talking, I was curious because there's a drive in about. 30-ish minutes away from me, I believe, and they just hadn't updated their website. And I was kind of refreshing it every week, and finally they updated it. And it looks like they're open this weekend, and it looks like the two, you know, you go to a drive-in, it's kind of a double feature type thing. So it looks like it's Zootopia followed by The Greatest Showman. And again, I've seen both these movies, but I really enjoy both these movies. So I I could see myself, you know, grabbing it because, you know, you can bring your own food, you can bring your own drinks to this kind of thing. So I could I could see myself, you know, going and getting a enchilada and then, you know, bringing, <laughs> uh, bringing some booze and just enjoying these two movies. I think for the right double feature, it sounds like a blast. Yeah. And it's something that in my in my area, it's certainly a novelty thing. I definitely don't think it's going to replace theaters. Um, and Seth, I know you're a big fan of your home theater setup, but is, are you getting, are you opening yourself up to things like the drive-in or sort of alternative mediums, or are you content to watch on your home theater system until we get back to the theater? Yeah, I don't think I'll go to the, the drive-in just because they're really not playing a whole lot that I'd want to see. And then, I mean, honestly, if I really wanted to go see a movie, there is a theater open clear, uh, near me. So it's, mm-hmm. um, and they're continuing to stay open and they're playing some classics, Avengers and Ghostbusters and things like that. But yeah, I'm still waiting to to go to my my theater when you know they they open back up and you know hopefully stay open um, once once they do open back up. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of making uh, waiting for my return to the theater to be uh, be at my local chain. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where I'm at too. And and with the I think because we've seen cases kind of re spike, I've kind of re I've kind of refreshed my quarantine mentality and am am kind of shutting up at home here. So like the likelihood of me going to, even if, if Regal doesn't change their opening date and they continue with their uh, classics on July 10th, I just, I just don't think I'm going to be ready yet to go. Um, and so if, if Tenet continues to be, or Mulan uh, continues to be kind of that, okay, now we're back. And it seems like one of those will be that movie. Um, I'm pretty content to wait for that, I think. Um, but... Uh, something like a drive up for me is something, you know, especially for like a date night um, is, is kind of a cool thing that maybe at the end of this there, they will have carved out a little market for themselves and, and can sustain themselves, which I think would be cool. I, you know, um, nice to have an alternative, right? Yeah. Yeah. The whole drive-in thing, you know, again, it's, you know, it's kind of like a novelty kind of, you're not going to do it every single weekend. And I, I do like doing that for movies I've already seen because sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, you have people that have kids that are loud. You're maybe sitting in the car or you're sitting in chairs outside. Someone's lights turn on, you know, there's a lot of distractions. So it's kind of better to go to those when it's movies you've already seen. And 
I, I want to do it, but then again, like you're saying, it needs to be the right combination of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you pay, I mean, some of those you pay, like, by the car, right? So if you're paying yeah. 50 bucks for a car, you know, and I'm getting a bunch of snacks and stuff, it does start to get expensive. So, yeah, it really is kind of a an occasion rather than rather than fully replacing the way that you and I go to theaters. But when um, else can you eat an enchirito during a movie, you know? That's I mean, a really good point. I take like three Crunchwraps in every movie I go see. So. <laughs> Put them in your pockets. That's <laughs> yeah. all me, man. Good to go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I bet that's uh, well, nice during the winter. You know, you can come in, you're nice all top, toasty, warm. Yeah, I saran wrap them to my, my midsection, so I, I stay nice and warm. And it keeps them warm, too. Ooh. The chicken and, and the egg right there. And, and look, every once in a while, you get a little sour cream in the pits, but you know what? That Save that for later. Oh, my gosh. That is... I don't That's even. A lot. I am oddly disgusted. <laughs> I bet. I all I know is when Seth untapes those crunch wraps from his warm body, I bet you they taste <laughs> crazy good. <laughs> I can picture it being like that scene from Die Hard where he has the gun taped to his back, but it's <laughs> burritos. Yeah, it's crunch wraps. Oh yeah. my god. There's definitely a sketch there. Uh, we should tape that. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I, I certainly don't want to spend too much time on the, the theater reopening dates because I, I imagine this is the kind of thing, like I said, it's going to continue to move. And so we'll continue uh, to talk about it. But I did want to talk briefly uh, about the Oscars as well. So the, um, and I missed this news, but I guess a couple weeks back, it was announced that the, the Oscars are moving. Uh, they're shifting their time back to, it sounded like April. Um, so a little bit of a delay in the Oscar schedule. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe one of you guys can tell me if they've moved the eligibility window as well. But mm-hmm. an, another big um, another big change to the Oscars this year will be that agents are going to be allowed to now vote on the Oscars. And I don't have every detail of this. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pull this up now to, to corroborate. Um, but I guess... I don't I don't fucking know anything about agents. So like I don't know if it's if it's my place to say whether or not they should get votes, but they really don't seem to be that intimately involved in the filmmaking process. Like do you guys think agents are close enough to the process to warrant them getting an academy vote? Cuz remember, this isn't like the Golden Globes or others where they're voted on by different bodies. These the Oscars are intentionally and and explicitly voted on by the people who are doing the thing, right? Directors vote for best director, et cetera, down the line. Are agents close enough to the action based on what you guys know to warrant getting a vote? What are your thoughts on this? Well, since I am in the Hollywood system living here in Iowa, um, I have a lot of inside scoops into this. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what the, you know, what the process is, but the way that I read this headline and the way that I perceived it is say you're an agent for someone that wins the Oscar. Therefore, their value goes up, which means that you then benefit from it, right? Mm-hmm. So why would you vote for anyone other than the person you're representing? Yeah, yeah. Exa- yeah it just yeah, kind of like, seems like... It, it, they just all, it's almost like, wa- like, why include them? It's just washed... Vo- it, it's added votes. Yep. Right. It yeah, that's a that- higher... That, that's exactly what I was thinking of, that it's basically just going to be kind of a political thing. 
it's it's gonna be it's gonna be added votes for someone who um you know represents someone that's in that category and you know there might be an off chance where um and it might not be that off chance. It might be somewhat likely where there's uh, an agent who represents multiple people within a category. Um, but we, I, I guess within that, it, it could it could still be political because they could have one person that they think could benefit more from it or whatever it might be. So, I mean, the Oscars in general is all very political and it's all, um, you know, basically you pay for a lot of your votes in, in the end. And I think that's probably a lot of it through the agency. So now basically they just get a direct vote within that too. So I don't know. It seems like a little weird to me because it, it, all the other people who are involved with Oscar voting are um, within within it creatively, directors, actors, producers, composers, all that stuff. Um, you know, agents book the jobs, but then there's some instances where they don't. You know, it could be something like where it's an independent movie where that, that gets involved that they maybe didn't have a vote directly into it. So, uh, or a person that, that was directly into it with an agent. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it just seems all political and just kind of like Jared said, beefing up the votes essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm reading a variety article on this right now. And, um, it sounds like they're already members of the Academy, but this would reclassify their membership into one that has a voting stake. Mm. So I guess there are 111 current members who will now get votes. And then there's potentially going to be additional invitees to the 2020 Academy, which hasn't been announced yet. Um, this article also makes a point to mention that the Oscars are still trying to up their diversity quotient. And so it's possible, you talked about having a political motivation, that they've looked at the agent pool and see an opportunity to add more diversity into the academy. I could understand that as a motivation. I'd be really surprised to hear that agents as a whole are more diverse <laughs> right. than, than the industry. That would surprise me. But it could be that this is a way for them to move closer to that end. Um, and one additional change that I see here, uh, the best picture category is going to be locked at 10 nominees now instead mm -hmm. of, I guess in the past they've done eight or nine, uh, but now it's going to have to be 10 apparently. Um, so yeah. I guess, you know, I, I didn't think, and I, I really don't think that the agent, that the agents getting, uh, voting power has anything to do with the diversity and inclusion aspect, but, um, I don't know, do you, and this is maybe a longer topic, but, um, the Oscars and diversity, uh, we've been talking about race a lot lately in general, but it, do you think that having the Academy recharacterize its voting body to better represent a diverse body of voters. Do you think that is an important thing for them to try to shimmy or would you rather just see the industry make its changes and have them flow through to the Academy? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do, yeah. do, is it, is it their place to force the voting to be more diverse or is it their job to represent Hollywood as it is? And this is a Hollywood problem, not necessarily an Oscar problem. Um, I, I mean, I think, I think you should definitely include more diversity, but do it within the fields that, and, and agents play a part in movies, no doubt, but not necessarily with, I think what they're voting on, you know what I'm saying? So like, I think that you can definitely, there, there are tons of, um, actors who, uh, that the actors, producers, all that, like that they could include there with, with that, I guess not tons, but there are more that they can include there that have worked over the years that 
you can include with within the the directors, actors, producers, all that stuff. Um, and yes, the industry still does need to to hire more. But I think there there've been a lot over the years that have been snubbed. Um, like David Diggs, for example, should have been nominated mm-hmm. for best actor. You know, mm-hmm. um, he he's easily someone who could be involved. I think they've added Ava DuVernay recently over the years. So like that's that's an example of someone who. Um, has has had you know some success in that in those areas and and now is included. But like I think there there's people that you can you can include currently with that that are there that are not within the academy yet that you know could could add to the diversity. Um, and you don't necess- don't need to just pull in a completely side category to do that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. while at the same time hiring more people. You know, p- diverse roles and producers and directors and all that stuff. Yeah, I think the uh, obviously the diversity, which they've they've switched up a little bit or changed in the last couple of years of the academy, I believe, or some of those people are aging out, so you can bring in some you know fresh, I wouldn't say talent, but you know just different perspective on films and whatnot. But I think that yeah, Cody, like you had mentioned, it starts from the industry and then flows into it. I mean, everything needs to be you know a little bit more, you know, there's there needs to be a little bit change here or there um, and whatnot. But I think the whole thing is, and even people that voters um and again i don't know i don't know anyone off the top of my head but it seems like a lot of these people don't actually watch all of the movies Mm -hmm. so going to an agent per se and this is just my perspective someone that's maybe even a little bit more on the fringe of either the the you know medium um you know like directors they know what they're looking for in directing like what what's an agent really looking for are they voting for every category and stuff like that? It's, It seems a little odd, I guess, because it's like, what's their specialty? Sure, if you've been an agent for 40 years, you know what talent is. Mm-hmm. But where is it experience? Is it talent? Like, I'm kind of confused on where the uh, qualifications come for these people. Right. Right. Yeah. And what categories do they get to vote on? Yeah. Right? Is it just and then and then further, can you vote? If you represent someone who is nominated, is should that be allowed? Um, and uh, this is never going to be the case. But what if someone who was who was nominated didn't have representation? They're at a disadvantage now yep. because they don't have their agent to vote for them. Like I, I doubt that that happens. You're not going to get Oscar nominated without having an agent. I, I'm I'm sure agents love knowing yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare, <laughs> but it's it's yeah. happened. I'm sure. But, um, you know, and, and directors have agents. So do, does, does Ava DuVernay's agent get to vote for best director? And if so, how the fuck does that make any sense? So I'm in agreement with, with you guys and specifically, Seth, with your point. Like, well, actually, both of you guys said, like, yes, yes, the Oscars need to be more diverse. I don't think it's the Oscars' responsibility to do that, though. I think, I think the film industry is reflected in the Oscars and the film industry has some correcting to do and that will flow through the Oscars. I don't necessarily think that the Oscars forcing anything outside of, of what already has been happening um, is necessarily the right move because I think it could potentially cheapen uh, victories. Like, you know, oh. you, you hear things like, oh, Green Book shouldn't have won, but it was a race movie, so it won. Right. And, and I think you, you, you maybe start to run into tokenism. The harder the Oscars try to make it not so white, the more there's going to be that threat of tokenism. So my opinion is that it's not necessarily Oscar's responsibility to make sure it's diverse. They can do what they can within their structures. But so there's two things. I think 
I don't think agents have much business voting. Someone's going to need to describe that to me in a way that makes sense before I completely agree with that. But then on the issue of diversity, I think it's, it's an industry problem, not necessarily an Oscar problem. I still think that there are people out there that aren't in it that should be in it now. You know, mm-hmm. like they're, 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 their criteria of choosing people is a joke anyway. And it, it's, it's very much still a point of like they, they pick, they, you know, the Academy picks and chooses and votes on these things of who, who even gets in. So they, they need, when these people get up for nomination, they need to get in there. You know, it's, it's still very much an exclusive club. And, you know, there, there's still a lot of movies with that, that are diverse that don't get nominated that should every, that, that get missed out every year. So it still is an Oscars problem there, you know, that I, I definitely agree that the, the industry needs to, to still make more and more stuff. And, you know, I, I think over the last couple of years, I, we're starting to see more get brought to attention because of people, not not within the industry, but just people in general who catch things here and there that, you know, like Parasite is a movie that um, it, it, that kind of caught fire because more and more people talked about it, like social media and things like that. I think if that hadn't caught fire the way it did, it wouldn't have won Best Picture. It wouldn't have been nominated, but it caught fire mm-hmm. based off of, of word of mouth. And I think that's that's how you're going to see more and more stuff. But there are tons of there again, not tons, but there there are people out there who should be in the academy that aren't, and so I think it's it's both both sides of the coin that need to step up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the. I guess I I'm not super familiar with how you get in. I'm just doing a little bit of reading on the academy website right now, and there's a couple requirements, but it really is, um, Seth, like you're saying, it is. Um, uh, discretionary, right? It's not everyone who qualifies isn't in. I didn't realize that before. Mm-hmm. I assumed like if you were SAG, you were in the academy, but oh, th- no. apparently that's not the case. Um, I didn't realize that. So in that regard, I totally agree with you. Yes, it is the academy's job to get a more diverse representation, a more accurate representation, even if it's not as diverse as we would like. Let's get a more accurate dis- uh, representation of how Hollywood is. I think that is is where the Oscars can make up some ground, and then Hollywood has to do the rest. Um, but yeah, that is an interesting point. I didn't think we were going to get to talk about Oscar diversity, but I'm always glad to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want there's one more uh, topic I wanted to talk about because we before the podcast we're talking some more about The Last of Us Part Two, and I know you guys are both super deep in that one uh, with you know. 10 plus hours. I don't know, Jared, how many hours are you now on, on last of us? I think, I think last night when I was playing right before I went to bed, um, it said about, I think it was 29 or 30. And the thing is, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's an end to the game. It's just going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. And, and the, the conversation we were having is, okay, that's a crazy long game, but you guys are really enjoying it. And so it doesn't really feel like taxing or, anything less than enjoyable it just is long right mm-hmm. and we've we've had this experience and in games specifically long games have never really been my cup of tea i've never really enjoyed a crazy long if i can finish a game in like a tight 10 hours that's me really happy um and so this made me think also about movies because we talk a fair amount about run times for movies especially as it relates to we miss the boat movies um <laughs> The the longer a movie is and whether or not that makes it a better movie. Um, and and it's, it's analogous to, to video games in that same way. Like, I, I think there are kind of two schools of thinking. There's one that says 
and this assumes, let's assume both are good, right? Obviously, if one sucks and as one is good, then there's no question to be asked. But assuming both are good, um, are you of the mind that you would rather spend extra time, two and a half hours, um, really getting really getting down deep into characters, really getting those extra scenes, getting the full background, getting every bit of detail to get you fully immersed in that. If that's your 40 or 50 hour video game and alternatively you have a, a nice tight hundred minutes where we get straight to the point, you get through the plot, boom, that's what happened. You're done. Maybe that's your 10 hour video game. Assuming both are good, like you enjoy both. Which do you prefer? Do you like to sit in a movie and let it just kind of baste you for a while? Or do you want to be in and out? I, I know what happened. <laughs> yeah, baste me happened. movie. Yeah, let, let's get home. I got, I got something else to do. Are you a, are you a broil? Uh, do you want your movies to be cooked in the broiler or, or in the microwave? <laughs> That's a good analogy. I like that. Um, I'm, so I'm... I'm kind of like on the opposite end. So like for for a video game, and I think it, it's it's cost and I get time a time and a little bit too in terms of just like so with a video game, if it's a great video game that's super long, Horizon, God of War, and then what Last of Us is probably going to turn out to be. I I'm spending sixty dollars on that game. I have I can work that in between time. Like oh, I have an hour here, hour there. That I'd I'd much rather play a longer game get because with a video game too you're playing as that character so you are for me at least i get more invested because i feel like i you know in, in a way i'm that character or i'm playing through that character's journey in a personal way with a movie i like an hour and a half if, if a movie gets done in an hour and a half it's fast fast paced um i get invested in that hour and a half with the characters like i feel like that's a great movie so i'm i prefer i prefer shorter movies but longer games for different reasons Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the, the I'll tack mm, I'll tackle the game one first. Like, yeah, I I don't really have a preference. Like, I would actually prefer a longer game. And I know, like, I I had brought this up prior to the podcast, and there was there's quite a few people that were kind of saying games are too long, and it's one of those things where, you know. $60 a game, maybe more for DLC and stuff like that. Like, I want to get my money's worth, but I also, like, this is an experience. Like, I am sitting in this situation with this character. I mean, mind you, like I said, I, I've played 30 hours of this game already, so I'm kind of binging through it. But, like, those hours are just me playing this game. Like, I have no outside distractions. I don't re- usually check my phone because I have zombies coming after me or hunters. <laughs> like, I have to worry about stuff. Also, I need to make sure I'm not missing any of the rags to build stuff with. Um, mm-hmm. So I think video games, it's like, you know, I, I'm very much invested in the story and I love a long, like, runtime. Very much kind of getting a money's worth. And, you know, it depends if there's, like, multiplayer and stuff like that. That That's almost a different spectrum. Like, looking at just the story, like Seth had mentioned, like, Horizon was one that very much jumped out at me. And that one had a little bit more side stuff. Like, um, Last of Us is essentially straightforward. I mean, you can veer off into different buildings, but this is a main story like everything is story related um some of that other stuff you know it's it's side like spider-man as well you know go catch the pigeons um you don't have to do that you can just do the main story but i love kind of being a completionist when it comes to that as for movies 
I think anything sub two hours is kind of what I'm looking at now because another thing, I get there when, you know, the trailers are playing and I have to drive. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things where I value my time even though I just sunk 30 hours into a game. Um, <laughs> again, like you had said, if it's good, I, I'm going to sit in a movie and I'm going to be invested, especially if I come out and I'm like, oh, that was an amazing movie. But if it's starting to approach that two and a half, three, I mean – Hell, for an example, um, Endgame, three-hour three movie, but that was like a spectacle. That was like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of situation, and that movie moved. Um, mm-hmm. If that can happen for every movie and I'm invested in it like that, then I'm okay. But it's very much like it has to hit all of those checkboxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm that same way. And I've what's funny about Endgame, it's such an outlier here because – if you made a plot of movies that are, this is how long the movie is, and this is how long the movie feels, I feel like at one end you would have Endgame, where it's crazy long, but it feels like nothing. And I've watched it a few times. It flies by. There's no Mm -hmm. point in Endgame when you're bored. And then on the opposite end, maybe you have like Artemis Fowl, which is like 80 minutes, and uh, and apparently Seth couldn't last even 20. So Mm -hmm. again, this, this, this argument assumes that everything, that they're all good movies, and... I end up I end up being slightly different from you guys. I understand what you're saying about a long game. I just don't I have for whatever reason when it's a video game, I want to get through the plot. And there's I have like ga- there the gameplay mechanics, like I want to take some time to get used to and get good at them. But to me there is a once I'm good at the mechanics and I know what I'm doing in the game, I better be two thirds of the way through. Like that's my <laughs> attitude. And so if I, if I'm an expert at this game, I better be coming up to the conclusion. That's, that's just been my attitude, the rhythm. And that's not to say that a long game can't slow play, maybe some abilities or skills that allow you to continue to upgrade and stuff. But if I'm not upgrading, then I better be getting to the plot, um, the plot, uh, climax pretty fucking soon. If it's mm-hmm. a video game, I think that, I feel the same way about movies without realizing it. As I hear you guys say that, um, because I, I really like long movies. Um, I like getting to sit there and just be there for a long time. I more often complain that movies are too short than they are too long. Um, but I, if I see a movie that's over two hours and definitely, if it's over two hours and 15, then I look at that runtime and I go, that better be a good fucking movie. Because <laughs> yeah, because you got to call into work on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta put my, I gotta move my schedule around to make sure I have time for this shit. <laughs> or it's an entire evening, right? If I watch Endgame after work and I, it's five o'clock, and I take a half an hour between work and home, and then five thirty to eight thirty, I'm watching Endgame. That's almost all of my night. So like, it better be a good fucking movie, or I just wasted a day of my life. So that's the attitude that I take to those long, long movies. And so when a long movie is bad, it's more disappointing to me. Um, but when a movie is long, I expect it to be good, right? And it's so I, I think I might be saying the same thing about the movie as I am about the game, where if I'm bored and I feel like I know all the relevant information, give me the climax now. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it's, it's maybe pacing more than it is the actual length. Um, but I do definitely get pickier for a longer movie. Like, uh, um, what was the Irishman? That was one last year 
that everyone said it was good. And I was like, gosh, yeah, but that's long, right? Like someone better tell me that this is like must watch all time stuff or I'm not going to put on a three hour movie. And I know you guys both watched that one. Um, but is that something you also do? If a movie is long, do you hold it to a higher standard? Kind mm-hmm. of. Um, I mean, again, it really, it's all, I hate to say it, but it's all this like weird depends type situation where like, you know, Endgame was like this huge lead up and it's like, you have to see what's going on. Irishman was kind of an event as well. I mean, it, it felt like five hours with uh, the experience that Seth and I had to deal with because people were talking, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I don't know if, yeah, if it's this, I don't know. I, again, I, I'm sure I'm like you guys, I check the runtime before going in. So I kind of prepare myself. Um, but I don't know if it's like a mission impossible or some action pack like that. And it's moving. Then I'm, I I lose track of time essentially. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what you're touching on Jared is in all those cases, Endgame, um, Irishman and a mission impossible movie, they've all earned your ticket before this movie even came out. Yep. Right? You're already going to the next Mission Impossible movie. You're already seeing uh, fucking Al Pacino and Joe Pesci and all those guys in The Irishman. You've already seen all the MCU movies. You're going to Endgame. So those you're going to see regardless of how long they are. I guess maybe, maybe something like The Five Bloods is more... Um, well, and even then, it's Spike yeah. Lee. You already know I, whether or not you like Spike Lee. So maybe it, maybe it, maybe that's what it is. Do you need I, a justifying reason before you're going to engage in a movie that long? I have an example um, from a movie last year. I think it was last year. I don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what time is. Um, uh, the Terrence Malick movie I saw, Hidden Life. Mm. I knew going in that it was three hours, three plus hours. I think it was longer than Endgame. Um, that... It was a Terrence Malick movie, so it was going to be slow. But the reviews were like 97% or whatever on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm like, all right, it's gotten a high review. It's super fucking long, and people love this guy. So I did hold it to a higher standard because of all that. But the the length was part of it because I was like, I better enjoy it if I'm going to spend three hours in this uh, small-ass theater with some messed-up chairs. Um, Turns out, you know, I, I... I thought it was, you know, done well and everything, but I didn't really love the movie. And not that I necessarily regretted going to it because I'd never seen a Malick film, especially in the theater. Um, so it was an experience, but at the same time, it was like, I wish I would have enjoyed the movie more, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's, you guys have kind of touched on it, but for some reason, this is what I'm thinking is like, if you're giving me all of the pieces of information with pacing i know where it's maybe gonna end like don't i guess just don't waste my time like a good example video game wise um final fantasy 7 remake like i absolutely love that game i grew up with kind of the original and whatnot but there's some scenes or pieces that seem like they're either padded or you're you're walking with characters and it's like okay why are we walking right now like i want to run and you're doing this to essentially make the game feel a little longer. So I don't like when they purposely slow things down in a game specifically, but even in a movie where it's going, 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 and then it's like, boom, it's just slow. And it's like, okay, why are we here right now? Why why is this happening? Mm-hmm. So like, whatever it is is happening, whether in a game or in a movie, 
have a purpose, yes. right? Is that what you're yep. saying? Like, yep. don't don't that, give me filler bullshit that's gonna just don't don't be longer for the sake of being longer. Give Blade me Runner shit. Blade <laughs> Runner. God damn. Yeah, well, him walking up and down stairs the whole fucking time. So maybe it's give me all of the important, valuable information or important, valuable missions in a game. Yep. And however long that takes to tell the story appropriately, take that much time. But don't take more than that time. I think we all agree that maybe that's that's what we're driving at is use the time wisely and we don't care how long it is, but make sure make damn sure that you're using the, the time wisely, especially if you're going over two hours. Boom. That is correct. Boom. Hey, well, that's a consensus. That's a so cons- SoCo consensus. So consensus. So consensus. I like that. So consensus. consensus. What's the consensus. sounder it's for that? It's a so that? consensus. Uh, for now, it's that one. Um, you know what? We don't. We don't. We haven't used this one in a while, and it's fucking funky. So let's use this one. That don't impress me much. That's the official. The official sounder of a so consensus. Now. What was that? First impressions, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, first impressions. Yeah. 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 That was a good game. That that game's not dead. Well that game will be played again. But we yeah. haven't done it in a little while. Yeah, we talked about like going back to some games and stuff when uh the COVID stuff is over, but you know, at this point who fucking knows. Twenty twenty one. Games will return to the Soko show in twenty twenty one. Like at the end of every episode you should have that you know how the uh, Avengers, like all their movies like so and so will return. You guys at the end of every episode. Yeah. Games will return in twenty twenty one. For Soko first draft will will return in twenty twenty one. Yeah, my favorites were like because in some of them it would say like Thor will return in Avengers Infinity War and you're like fuck you're yeah like, Avengers what? Infinity War give me that shit now but then after Infinity War it just says Thanos will return and you're like ooh when's that that's what we have games will return full stop <laughs> we don't have dates on fucking anything right now oh man. Uh, well, those are a couple of the topics on our mind uh, in the movie world. Let us know what you guys think. Um, what are your thoughts on theater opening? Are you are you hurrying out to the drive-in to get your fix? Uh, what do you think of the Oscars? Are they doing enough for diversity, and should agents be voting? Um, and on, on video games and on movies, how long is too long? What do you have to do to earn a long runtime um, and have folks sit down for it? Let us know all your thoughts on this stuff, as well as everything else in the show, uh, on Facebook or on Twitter, at SoCoShowPod. Uh, where you can get a hold of, of Seth and I. And if you want to talk to JB, you know where to find him. At Jared Buckendall. For now, though, we are going to move into uh, some stuff that we have to review today, a number of things. Uh, and we're going to start with the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. All right. Certainly a special treat for us this week um, because this is a hot and fresh uh, advanced screening that uh, Jared was able to review for a show that's going to be releasing, um, I, I think this is Friday the 3rd, will be the release date. So you're getting a little bit of a preview. Um, of course, this is all after this, the embargo on on reviews, so we're, we're within the rules. Um, but Jared, let the folks know what they can look forward to this week on Netflix. So yeah, this, this show on Netflix is called Warrior Nun, and it's actually coming out July 2nd, so Thursday. And uh, super exclusive, SoCo exclusive. I haven't even recorded my own review for this. But this is, um, I guess it's based on a manga-style American comic book. I guess it was, like, really popular in the mid-'90s, I believe. And it's essentially kind of follows, uh, like, Joan of Arc-type character 
Um, and you find out that, you know, it happened back in like the early two or one thousands or something. It's kind of like, you know, knights and, uh, you know, the Joan of Arc times or whatever. But, uh, you find out that this, uh, warrior nun has gotten like a halo, like somehow put inside of them in their back. Like, it's very weird kind of explaining this, but that grants them kind of like superpowers, um, you know, in, in, uh, healing, uh, strength, and each person, because it's kind of a thing that passes down from generation to generation, which then forms like kind of a, oh, I don't know what the name of it is. It's like sort of a coven of, uh, nuns, but like they're warrior nuns. They're all trained. They're like kicking ass and everything. And there's like, you know, it, it very much like takes like ninja type stuff, not exactly ninja, but like warriors, like, like, that kind of aesthetic mixed with religion. So you have these nuns, you have these fathers, you have these priests and stuff who, you know, from the outside are looking like that, but they're also, like, going on these missions. They're kicking ass, they're exploding people, and they're also dealing with, like, demons and whatnot. So that's kind of the the world setup and whatnot. But getting into the actual kind of story is it starts off where a job goes bad essentially and a demon shows up at the church and is trying to get this halo out of this fallen nun they accidentally have to hide it but they hide it in a dead body which then the girl comes back to life and the Hmm. girl it's kind of one of those things where it's like oh was it meant to go in her like did the halo choose her is it like god trying to give a sign to this person because she is not part of this group she is not a trained warrior she is kind of nobody um so then it's kind of a you know a coming of not coming of age but like coming into her own trying to decide is this my calling is life my calling because you also find out that she was kind of raised as an orphan in an orphanage slash hospital her whole her whole life so she doesn't even have life experience so it's kind of this thing set now that she has freedom it's like do i go do my life stuff or do i go to this calling of the halo and this kind of like church you know religion coven kind of like warrior nun uh group of characters or whatever so that's kind of the setup and i think i i mentioned set this weekend i like the idea of everything more than i actually like the execution of how it plays out Ah, um the the main girl um she looks she looks like a mix of jessica alba and ellen page and i think that she holds her own she's very good and along with some of the other side characters there's one nun who's really cool her name is shotgun uh Oh my gosh, what is it? Shotgun. It's not Shotgun Betty. God damn it. I wrote it down. But Mary. she, like her, yeah, Shotgun Mary. Mary. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, and so, so she just has two sawed off shotguns, um, just kicking ass. But they, you know, they run into uh, demons and whatnot. And it also brings up this cool concept of religion versus science because there's this tech company who is also trying to harness some of these religious powers and artifacts that you know the the group is going after to essentially use them not for nefarious purposes but you find out why this tech person there's a reason and there's a personal reason behind it so it's kind of this you know she's doing it because she thinks that what she's doing is right the religious people and the nuns are doing stuff because they think that's right and it's this clash of like what do you believe what is your beliefs and do you believe in god do you believe in religion and all of this stuff or do you believe more in science so it kind of brings up that cool moral conundrum there 
Um, the biggest thing, and again, I finished this an hour before we got recording. Um, it leaves you in a very unsatisfying way. And I think mm. that I've had this problem with a couple episodes or a couple seasons of, is this a season to set up the season? Um, that's what unfortunately this kind of feels like because it brings in a lot of things in the last few episodes that you're like, oh, this is what I want the show to be. And then it just ends. Mm. So I'm like, what? I Is there more episodes? Is there another episode? Like what it was almost, you could say a cliffhanger. Because I know Seth hates those. I, I would say that that very much is a cliffhanger of how this plays out. Not spoiling anything, obviously, because, you know, there's a lot that leads up to it. I, th- I believe it's 10 episodes. Um, but overall, I think I would say I like the idea more than the execution, unless says, unless season two steers into that kind of weird whatnot that they're, they were slowly getting into. It sounds very similar to Preacher, in and a lot and of that's ways. exactly. Yeah. I haven't watched Preacher, but that's the f- like the last three episodes. That's exactly the flavor that I thought it would be. Yeah, with Preacher, there's kind of like you're talking about the halos and stuff. Um, he has he's uh, the guy main guy Jesse. He's got this power that uh, he's basically he, he's he's the Messiah or the chosen one, and he's got like this power that can be transferred and and stuff like that so there's that going on you mentioned like the company there's a there's a organization in this one that's kind of similar that is trying to control things so yeah it sounds and i mean so this is kind of is this show kind of violent and stuff too yeah yeah that that's one thing that i kind of said i mean it's not super violent but there are scenes where you know when they're kicking some ass you know there's blood there's maybe an arm that flies over something like that yeah that's how preacher is too. Yeah, yeah. It's it sounds very similar to preacher, and they're both you said based off, or that's based off a comic, and and so is preacher. So. Yep, yep. And the thing is, like I said, the last few episodes they bring up interesting things because, for example, someone maybe goes to a different realm and then comes back and has these different powers, but they don't know if they're good or bad, and it 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 kind of. Because each of the nuns has kind of a different specialty. It's like, oh, this is the sneaky one. This is the one with shotguns. This one now has maybe some sort of mystical power, but she doesn't know if it's good or bad. Hmm. That was the ragtag group that I wanted to see kind of <laughs> episode five. Mm-hmm. This, I'm, I'm looking at the comic. The comic looks awesome. It looks fucking crazy badass, and I'm willing to bet that they don't use this wardrobe in the show. Uh, no. Yeah, there's a classic anime, like, barely wearing anything, nun warrior outfit that you're going to want to give a Google to um, <laughs> for, for the folks at home. But, uh, yeah, safe to say that they've they've modernized and realized that um, into a world that makes a little more sense. Yes, yep, yep. <clears throat> this is interesting to me because... and it. What stinks is that you said, and maybe this picks up in future seasons, um, because everything you're saying about it sounds fucking awesome. And this is something you've done before, by the way. I know. And see, that's the bad thing is, like, I'm so good at hyping stuff up. Um, yep. <laughs> that's why no one should ever take any of these reviews. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I Maybe in my mind I make things so much cooler than they actually are, but... That's why I want to say I like the idea more than I actually liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That makes sense. Um, this world is interesting, though, and and both of you guys have. Uh, and a preacher was on my mind too, Seth. I'm curious because um, none of us here are like really devoutly religious. I think that's safe to say. But um, I've certainly like, especially with movies about um, uh, possession. Like I, I've watched a lot of those, and those have religious kind of undertones and backgrounds. Uh, Jared, you've got this warrior nun thing under your belt now, and Seth, you've watched Preacher. So even as a person who is who is not super religious, do you find that you gravitate to or away from things with that sort of source material? And then when you find your way to those, does it add or take away at all, or does it just kind of fold in with the rest of the lore the same way it would any other sci-fi or fantasy show that you're watching? Um... I think for myself, uh, I mean, obviously, as an adult and having my own decisions, yes, I've drifted away from my religious upbringing, but I don't know if I, yeah, there's not like, oh, I gravitate towards or I don't gravitate. I mean, I'm looking for something that's going to give me a good story and whatnot. Um, I mean, spoiler, I got to see this early, so that's one of the main reasons I wanted to watch it. Um, (laughs) but, But I found some good, I found some bad, you know, it's kind of middle of the road. Seth, what do you yeah. think with the religious stuff on movies? I enjoy watching it as long as it's done in a way that kind of explores it in a in a different way. Like I'm not, I don't really want to watch your your like direct adaptation of a Bible type like stuff, Passion like your, of the Christ or something. Yeah, Passion of the Christ. Or there's one that came out, uh, I think like Mary or something like that came out not too long ago. Um, I don't want to see stuff like that, but I enjoy seeing like alternate views on religion. Um, or if there's a story that's centralized around. A person that involves maybe their exploration of religion and things like that too um because there are like your movies like that breakthrough that came out last year that are just directly about like this guy prayed mm-hmm. a lot and they got saved like type, you know those type of stories mm-hmm. um and i know that's not that that exact story i'm generalizing that but there, there are movies like that where it's you know people prayed and they're okay type of thing um where it's just a direct like almost um like a sales pitch for religion mm-hmm yeah, where it's an evangelist po- attempts at evangelism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 I get like why they make those movies and everything like that, and, I, and I'm not putting those down because there are some movies that, um, you know, get good reviews like that, and and you know are well done, but have the message of religion. It's like I I get those, but I like seeing movies where they explore it in a different way, where they use religion as kind of a driving force of of creativity, of like preachers, and you know, preacher drew me in because of because of that aspect of it, where they took a look at it. Dogma is another one where you know it's a it's a little bit different of a look at religion. Um, what about Red State? Mother? <laughs> mother? I didn't mother. see that one. I love um, Mother. But Red State's another one where they take someone's like radical look at religion and and their interpretation of it. So stuff like that, where it's looked at in an artistic way as opposed to like as a selling point or you know that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. I certainly don't want to. I don't. I don't want a movie to tell me to believe in God like that. Mm-hmm. I'm never gonna. I'm just never gonna go to a movie. And it's really easy to spot a movie that that's what it wants to do. Um, but I certainly don't have any problems. I, I, in fact, welcome movies that have religion as a as a as a piece of the plot or as a piece of the motivation for a character. I don't have any issues, and I think it's rare that people do. I don't think people are going to go. The protagonist is a Christian, or the protagonist is a warrior nun. I'm not watching that shit. I think that's pretty rare. Um, but I do think people can sniff out pretty quickly when when they're trying to be sold, and uh, and people will avoid that. So yeah, you're right to draw the d- difference. I think Seth between something like Breakthrough 
and obviously something like preacher, right? You only need to watch five minutes of each to know which, how they're different. But, um, it's interesting to see how people kind of react and, or find their way to, uh, stuff like that. Um, but, and this is, this is a longer conversation, but there's, I think there's a lot of religious people that would say that things like your warrior nun and your preacher are blasphemous and shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be the subject of things. And we don't really have anyone here to, to, you know, speak to that. How do you know Mm -hmm. that warrior nun is not based on a true story? (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) That's, that's a good, that's a good, it's a good point. Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, first reformed here because mm, it's one yep. Seth and I that you Seth and I really enjoyed and I think is on Jared's list Ooh, right now. Ooh, you might have been setting up our next section. <laughs> and uh, it's entirely about religion, but in a way that is uh, not not preaching, right? Which is funny because it's, it's about a preacher. But um, there's an important distinction there, and I and I think we all agree that you know there's room for it um, if it's handled right, just like anything else. Um, okay, so the show is called Warrior Nun, and it is available the same day as this podcast. So uh, if you want to hear more of Jared's review, head over to the YouTube. At Jared Buckendall. You can find his complete thoughts there. Um, but check it out for yourself if you want to give it a shot. It's available on Netflix. All righty. Well, uh, it's, it's kind of a surprise. Uh, lately, we've had, we've had more. But uh, this week, Warrior Nun is the only thing that we have. So that's going to wrap it up for the TV Corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. And now it's time for Rate That Pun. What do you get when you mix alcohol and literature? Tequila Mockingbird. <laughs> Sixty-four fluid ounces. All right, let's switch over into the world of movies, and we're gonna start with "We Missed the Boat." Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. All right, folks, "We Missed the Boat" is a segment where each of us <laughs> has mo- movie homework. And uh, it was my week to complete an assignment. So out after of much list, deliberation, <laughs> after much deliberation, it was my week. Um, we thought it might have been Jared's, but it was mine. Um, I have watched a movie from my list of five, and I'm going to review it for you guys now. So this was an interesting movie. I've this is one that I meant to see in theaters last year, um, but missed. So I was really glad to work my way back to Richard Jewell. Um, this is Paul Walter Hauser in the lead role uh, where he plays real life person Richard Jewell, who is a security guard who reports a bomb at the uh, Atlanta Olympics in 1996, uh, reports the bomb, uh, saves some lives, and then is accused of being the person who planted the bomb. Uh, Clint Eastwood uh, writes and directs. Uh, this was his follow-up to The Mule, which uh, was hilariously panned by Sam on this very podcast. Um, so he comes back with The Mule, or sorry, with uh, Richard Jewell here. And um, I will say at the start, I, I really enjoyed Richard Jewell. Um, this is a story that centers around uh, the character Richard, who, as the... I'm going to say as the movie would tell you, but don't draw the wrong conclusion from this. 
Um, as the movie would tell you, Richard Jewell is a completely innocent man who is really kind of raked over the coals of the media and of um, law enforcement and their potentially shady uh, motivations. And this idea of uh, the court of public opinion and, and what does that matter and how much does media, how much do media and law enforcement, how much are they in bed with one another and how much should they be in bed with one another uh, in some cases literally. And nice. <laughs> um, I, th- I thought it was really interesting because of how topical it was. We've been talking a lot about the police specifically this last month or so. And so this caught me at a good time. And I think what's interesting about this movie is that it shows you how malintended FBI agents and potentially malintended reporters and members of the media can really fuck someone's life up if they feel like it and how selfish that is and how nasty that is and how people who don't deserve to pay that price end up doing so on behalf of clicks and on behalf of getting an arrest when you want one. And that's what this movie really intends to show. Now, I, I say that um, because I think it's important that a person watching this movie understands that it's the purpose of this movie to show you that the media is bad and that law enforcement is bad. That those are the stances that are taken by this movie. They don't really make an effort to show you both sides or give you a flat argument on any of these things. These are Clint Eastwood's opinions that you're seeing. Now, in Richard Jewell's case, he was proven, this isn't a spoiler, it's, it's history. He was proven to be innocent of this crime. And so with that lens, you can certainly watch the movie and go, media bad, law enforcement bad, Richard Jewell good. I think where I, where I would have liked to have seen more and where I would have liked to see this movie be a little bit different would be if it gave me a more uh, straight down the middle and then let me decide. Now, I know that history, again, has proven Clint Eastwood to be correct in this case. Um, where I was wanting a bit more would be if he had played the middle a little bit more and shown from the perspective of the FBI, why are they going after this guy? Or from the perspective of the media, why they thought it was him and why they needed to put that out. Um, That would have been really interesting to me. Now that said, uh, what we got was really fascinating because we get something that's really closely zoomed in on Richard and his mother, who's played by Kathy Bates, who is really good in this. She she does a lot with a little bit of screen time. Um, And what we see is a lot of her, a lot of... Uh, Richard Jewell, again, played by Paul Walter Hauser, who I hadn't seen much of before this, but really enjoyed his performance here. He, mm-hmm. um, and, and I've seen a couple like interviews and, and just, um, just photos of this guy, Richard Jewell. He is doing a, an impeccable job of portraying him and his, his sort of tics, his slight social awkwardness. He's a strange guy and that comes across He's a he's really well intended. He like wants to be a police officer. That's something that they use against him um, in the movie. But he really wants to be in law enforcement. Has a high degree of respect from law enforcement or for law enforcement. You get to see that. You get to see how helpless and how frankly stupid he looks when when put up against the media and the FBI who are just better trained at this exact shit. Um, and you get to see how much of a disadvantage he is at from jump and how fucked he is if he doesn't get the right help. 
And I think this movie does that very well. So what the movie sets out to do, I think it does really, really well at. I think it's incredibly acted. And I think it avoids some of the things, some some Clint Eastwood things that the mule didn't, right? You get to see his his take on racism and things in that. That's not really present here. Um, so what Clint Eastwood sets out to do, I think he does incredibly well here. Um, I My wish for this movie is that it had had a little bit of a different intent. Um, and of course, this is the story of Richard Jewell. So maybe what I'm wanting is a second movie about a different case or about a fictional case. Um, but that's the only thing that I was left wanting. Uh, other than that, though, this is a, an incredible, incredible movie. Um, I uh, Sam Rockwell is in here as the attorney to Richard Jewell. He does a really good job. Mm-hmm. And I just think, again, for what they set out to do, they did it as well as I think they could have. I really didn't have any complaints about this movie whatsoever. Boom. Yeah. So it was a good recommendation. Um, it was funny that, uh, Seth, I know you liked this one. I don't remember exactly how high you were on this, but going yeah, to this one after the mule, high. which you hated, um, <laughs> you were pretty high. After you hated the mule, you went back to Clint Eastwood for something like this. So it was interesting to me that you enjoyed it so much, but I totally understand now because it's just a solidly made movie. Yeah, this is, I mean, I enjoyed it, but this is more of a, I think, I thought you would enjoy it more than I would probably uh-huh. that I put on there. So, sure. and I think you did. I mean, I, I did enjoy it too. I, it's not one that I'll probably ever go back to like purposely if it's on or something, I'll watch it. But uh, this is one that I knew that you would enjoy. So I, I put it on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. I, there's moms, man. Moms, moms will get me there every time. And Kathy Bates, <laughs> nice. Kathy Bates has a scene in here where, well, moms will get me a lot of places. Specifically, I'm talking about crying here. Um, but, uh, different moms, moms played by other actresses, get me to a different place. Moms played by Kathy Bates, um, get me to a place where there's a scene near the climax of this movie where she has a really prominent role and really kind of hammers home the whole movie in one scene. Uh, and I think that was really fascinating and well done. So Kathy Bates is great here. Uh, I don't, was she nominated? She might've been yes. nominated for her supporting she was. role. I think that was well-deserved. Um, and I think Paul Walter Hauser got a lot of a love love for this, even though he wasn't, I don't think, nominated. He was not. Um, I, I am intrigued and interested to see what he does next, because I really do think he showed some chops here. Um, well, he was and, briefly and, in Defy Bloods. Yeah, he's he in there. Yep. I don't remember he's part his role whatsoever. He's part of the mind team. The mind team. Okay. I missed him. Into- no, I Okay. Yep. I remember him now. I remember. Cause I remember going, Oh, that's Richard Jewell guy. I got to watch that movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is one of those. Um, it really plays just like a historical reenactment is the other thing. So you be prepared to get what I'm assuming are the facts. I don't know how much Clint Eastwood has dramatized or twisted things. Um, but get ready to just get a here. Here it is. Just, this is what was happening. Uh, it's not really overly dramatic or like uh, it doesn't have lofty wording and it's not beautifully written or anything. It's just kind of matter of fact in a way that was refreshing to me. So I did. I like this one a lot and I'd recommend it to folks, especially if you want to learn a little bit more about that situation. Um, I think it's a great, great medium for doing that. So uh, it was a good recommendation, Seth. I enjoyed the movie um, and would recommend it to others. But I got to check it off my list here and replace it with another one. So what do you, what do you got on deck for me here? Um, I got another um, 
Clint Eastwood movie. It's the mule. No. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> uh, uh, um, another uh, tr- uh, based on real events um, movie. Um, kind of biopicish because it is it's based off of a person actual person person Persian. actual person actual person um it's uh it's about the 2013 boston bombings uh, it stars jake gyllenhaal uh stronger i didn't know that that was about the boston bombings honestly yeah, when you said spoiler. that i thought you were gonna give me i thought you were gonna give me a mark Wahlberg movie and i was the patriots no. whatever <laughs> patriots day. day yeah no this this one was fantastic. Uh, it was directed by David Gordon Green, um, which I do want to ask you about something in a minute. But yeah, um, yeah. Stronger is right, now on your I list. A, I got in the queue. I remember you raving about Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in this, so I, I'm excited to get yeah. to this. This is definitely one I was going to miss because I'd forgotten about it. But I have yeah. it on my list uh, alongside Waves, The Front Runner, Dogma, and The Fighter. So I'll be checking one of those out in a few weeks. Um Jared, we, so, we know you, you've already watched a movie for next week. Um, so we know that we're going to get a review from you next week on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, we won't spoil what that's going to be here. But um, for now, the big news is that Stronger... You just made the list! And, uh, <laughs> and we'll, have, we'll have a review from Jared's list next week and We Missed the Boat. Oh! I'm on a boat, and... You're going to need a bigger boat. Um, you were going to so ask real me quick. about uh, Righteous Gemstones, I imagine. Yes, yeah, so you mentioned <laughs> David David Gordon Green, who um, is a showrunner or co-creator of The Righteous Gemstones, also did Halloween. Um, you sent a Snapchat of uh, my, my boy, Uncle Baby Billy, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the other night. Um, so that means, have you started The Righteous Gemstones? I have been watching it, yeah. I um, I got to a point on Saturday, and this is weird. I know people, people that listen to the show are going to think that this is impossible, but I got, I got, it was like the afternoon on Saturday and I was like, I have nothing to watch. Like I finished everything I was working on and I know that there's a long list of shit I need to watch. I get that. But I just, nothing was really taking me in any direction. And then I was just kind of popping through the HBO app and saw Righteous Gemstones. Remember that you loved it. So I put it on. I'm about halfway through. I am enjoying it. Um, it's, it's different. That's the thing. I think I think yeah. I had to get my expectations in the right place because it's not I think at one point I was expecting to laugh really hard the whole time and it's not uh-huh. that um no. it's got a little more dr- drama. I, I would even uh I would even go as far as to say a little bit more like action um yeah. than I anticipated. And so now that I have a context for what the show actually is, I think I'll enjoy it. Um but coming in I expected more of a slapstick type comedy and it's not that. Um, but no, I, I said really that even. It. I know you did. I know you did. Um, but um, for whatever reason, my initial my initial assumptions of the show had still stuck the, in my head. So now that I'm the, in it, I am enjoying it. I'll probably finish it this weekend. The only the only character that kind of gets slapsticky is the sister Judy. <laughs> yeah, she's a little she, wild. She's out there. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. kills me. There's a lot going on and, in that show that I think is smarter than it's ever going to get credit for. And um, Walton, there's some Walton family Goggins. dynamic stuff. Well, Walton Goggins is fucking interesting. As I, I'm Uncle excited to see where his Billy. art goes because he's weird. <laughs> Uncle Baby Billy, that guy is so great. <laughs> he has. Um, let's see if I can say this spoiler free. Um, he has revived his star song. That's where I'm at. He's he's just revived it. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that gives you enough context to know. I, I think I'm roughly a halfway, maybe two thirds of the way in. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, 
Yeah, the show's interesting. I would I would certainly recommend it to folks who are, but again, know what you're going that, into. That, Maybe that's exactly it. Review. We were talking about the religion thing. Like, that's it. That's what drove, yeah. that's what got me into that show. It's like, oh, it's a different look on religion. I was like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Certainly is, uh, certainly is interesting. Topic for another day, though, because Seth, we're in the fucking movie section. Get with the program. <laughs> well, suck my balls. <laughs> And uh, we need to get on to some reviews for some new movies. So let's jump into reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right. Let's start with a movie uh, that Jared reviewed last week. Um, but Seth has now seen and wanted to give his his two cents. So this is uh, this is the recent Netflix offering that was dropped with uh, with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. Seth, what do you think of this Eurovision song contest the story of fire <laughs> ballad of ricky ballad of ricky bobby <laughs> ballad of ricky bobby um yeah just real quick i mean i uh i had an okay time with it uh it wasn't one that i was super invested in i kind of was watching it here and there in pieces i almost watched it like a show where i just kind of chunked it up um almost into like 30 minute parts but it kind of worked that way because it does it it almost feels like a sketch <laughs> like a really long sketch um it's pretty weird um uh, Jared already described it last week, but yeah, it's basically these, they're two, like what, Swedish? Is that uh, what they're? They're Icelandic. Iceland? Iceland, there we go. Um, singers who are in this Eurovision contest, which is apparently a real thing. Um, and they sing some interesting songs, and uh, I don't know. I'm cool with the homies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Will Ferrell being weird and Rachel McAdams being surprisingly weird. Um, it, I don't know. It's it's silly. It's it definitely is too long. It's got some. It definitely has some slow parts, like you mentioned, Jared. Uh, the music is pretty fun though, and there there are a few laugh out loud moments in it. Um, I don't know. It's it's it, especially if you have like had some drinks or you know whatever you enjoy. Um, it, it's one to you know kind of put on maybe if you have some people over or just want to watch something stupid. That's probably one of those type of type of movies. Mm-hmm. I like stupid shit. Maybe I will. <laughs> Cody Mike. I almost I almost put it on and I was like, eh, ah, eh, eh. Then I watched other stuff. It does, <laughs> does doesn't it kind of feel like it could be in the same universe as Blades of Glory? Yeah, something like that. Could Blades be along those lines. I feel like Blades of Glory is is one of those that I've only ever seen once, and I feel like there is there are people that have seen Blades of Glory a ton of times and love it, and then there's people who forget it exists and there's not really an in-between you know what i mean i mean it's in, one of those, one of those movies high, you either really love or you've never seen yeah in high school i remember for like a year straight we watched it and then i haven't seen it since yeah yeah i've never actually seen it but i've seen like trailers and footage and oh stuff, man so I know- seth you just made the list <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I'll officially be resigning from We Made the Boat. We made the boat. Oh, man. <laughs> we missed the boat. <laughs> we made the boat today. Oh, fuck. Um, well, let's let's move on from Mr. Farrell here, and uh, let's go to a movie, Jared, that, that you saw this past week. I have, honestly, I would, I, would, I would lead you in better than this, but I have no context for what the fuck this movie is. So you're just going to have to take it away. All right. So this movie is called Straight Up, and it's a biopic from... Paula Abdul. Um, that's a lie. That's not what this movie is. Um, <laughs> the movie is. I was like, I want it now. <laughs> um, no, the movie's called Straight Up, and I guess it was a two. Like it went to a couple festivals in 2019. 
very limited release in early 2020, but now they just threw it on Netflix. Um, I had no idea what to expect from this, but this is like an indie, this is an independent movie, very weird. After the fact, I realized um, that the guy that directed it, he also produced it, wrote it, and starred as one of the main leads, so like very shoestring budget and, you know, a lot of people doing a lot of things behind the scenes and whatnot. But the main premise of this movie is it's this guy named Todd and he's like 20 something and he kind of has like OCD. He he has a therapist. He doesn't really know what what his life is and whatnot. He's very kind of like buttoned up, nerdy, uh, you know, OCD and whatnot. But also he is gay from what he thinks. Um, they kind of elaborate a little bit that he's only had like one sexual experience with a man before. He doesn't like fluids and certain things when you're getting intimate and whatnot. But <laughs> then um, on the other side of the coin, there's this girl named Rory, and she's also, you know, mid-20s, later 20s, something like that, kind of floating through life. It's set in L.A. She's kind of trying to become an actress but not landing too many roles. She's kind of the outcast in her improv or acting class where she's kind of taking things a little bit more jokey, uh, over the top and whatnot, just kind of, you know, a free spirit, very fun, loving type person. Um, these two cross paths at like, um, a bookstore and she mistakes Todd as, you know, working there or something, but they instantly hit it off like intellectually. Um, they are both going off of each other. Like the dialogue in this movie between the two leads is so quick is so, I wouldn't say smart, but it's so, like, analytical what they're kind of saying, and there's references to, like, movies and shows, and they're just picking, they're like, it is quick, and I think that that's the thing that I loved the most about this, is the dialogue, like, the chemistry between the two, and the dialogue between the two, like, just watching them, like, they're in the kitchen doing dishes, but they're just spouting off about nonsense, like stuff that it's like a podcast. Like they're just talking about and Chiritos probably who knows what they're talking about, <laughs> but it is just so quick and fun to watch them go back and forth. But then as the story kind of continues, because he, he at one point mentions to his therapist, he's like, I don't know if I'm gay. I don't want to be gay. Like, ah, blah, 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 blah. So it's this weird thing where he doesn't even know if he's gay. Is he bisexual? Because he's very much into this Rory girl, but also he's confused. So it's kind of hitting on these other almost realistic aspects of sexuality, identity, um, depression, mental health, because Rory is kind of dealing with that where she's like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like, I'm not getting any acting roles. And then Todd is dealing with, well, who am I as a person? I need to go maybe experiment a little bit. And they are the perfect couple intellectually. And I think that that's called, it's not pansexual. I think it's like sap biosexual or something like that where you're attracted to someone's intelligence um mm -hmm. so it's almost this like rom-com for a newer generation because it's tapping into hey people aren't just straight or gay there's in between and there's bisexual like it, it kind of touches on all of this stuff but i think that yeah that's the thing throughout this movie is just those two and the things that they kind of go with and how it kind of almost mirrors life at times and how people that are essentially soulmates but potentially their sexuality doesn't line up how does that work can you be perfect like the best friends with these people or is there a way 
to have a relationship without it being physical. So it kind of dives into almost that weird aspect, which is kind of funny. You know, COVID times, you know, maybe you're in a relationship, you're not physically seeing this person a lot. So it's kind of like, how do you keep that alive? Um, You know, intellectual, you know, the mind, people are very much attracted to smarts. So that's what it dives into. And I think I just liked it because it was so like, again, kind of on that indie artsy type thing because it is 4-3 ratio. It is very kind of this weird style of it's today because they have smartphones, but also the clothing and some of the technology is like later 80s, early 90s. Um, It's a little bit brighter colors um, and very small cast and whatnot. But yeah, this movie I was very surprised by. I know some people have commented on my review saying that they really did not like it. I might have been in the great, like a perfect mindset, but I really found some joy from this movie. Again, it was something different. It it was something weird, and it was something that, you know, maybe younger people, maybe maybe not for myself, but you know, younger people are out there experimenting and kind of trying to figure out who they are. So maybe that's connecting with them too, with this uh, Todd character. This is uh, this is super fascinating to me because. Um, it's well for one thing. It's got a ninety-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so you're not the only one that's liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a tight ninety-five minutes. So this is—I mean, we were talking about movie length earlier. This is kind of uh, in the wheelhouse for all of us here. I—I I also did a. I, I can confirm sapiosexual is is what you were, were okay. looking for yep. there. Um, I googled it two or three times, so I'm probably gonna get some some ads nice. that I wasn't ready for. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's someone who finds intelligence sexually uh, attractive, which led me to a um, uh, a list of sapiosexual uh, pickup lines. Uh, I'll read you only one. <laughs> Free will is an illusion. We're all victims of our own history and current circumstance. Let's make the best of this random occurrence. That's That's pretty sexy, right? I am wet. I am soaked also. Um, here hold hold on let me i gotta go change my pants there you go yeah no Um, i going back to it though the 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 james sweeney guy who you know directed wrote it starred in it whatnot and katie findley i believe i mean they haven't been in much of anything but i like he is very much if you google him he's very much kind of like the nerdy looking guy just goofy looking and she looks kind of like bubbly and fun and they just worked so well on screen together I always love a good, and that's I guess I do like rom coms and 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 that that idea that um, there's really good chemistry on screen. It's not an idea. Like when there's really great chemistry on screen, that really does leap out and it it kind of grabs you in a mm-hmm. way. So it sounds like that's the case here. That these are some magnetic leads leads who um who did a great job with with uh, a project that, I mean none of us had heard about (laughs) until it came out so it might have a little bit of uh, an underdog it's getting great rotten tomato scores maybe this one does find uh, an audience i will and and maybe um, spreads around virally a little bit yeah yeah one last thing and i completely forgot about it in my actual review on my channel but there might be some language or terms that might be outdated um or Mm. turn people off um it's only said a couple times but you know with someone in that situation, well, you know what I'm, I don't want to say it, obviously, but there might be some yeah. language that turns people off. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, maybe check Does the Dog Die for your trigger warnings, but otherwise, no, you're going into a movie about being gay, you're going to hear some nasty shit. Because um, in movies about gay people, there's always people making fun of them. Um, it's, it's almost the same way as movies about black people and racists. They're, they're always there. Um, so yeah, know what you're going into, but the movie straight up, this is interesting to me, and because of the length especially, this is something I am, and I know I say this. <laughs> Every year, I'm, just I'm, add it I'm, to the I'm, list. <clears throat> I want to watch this, and I'm depending on how long we talk after we're done with the podcast. I may put this on tonight uh, if if time allows, because this sounds interesting to me. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now I'm going to do it just to prove you guys wrong. But the movie is straight up. You can watch this on Netflix right now. Um, and we do have one more movie to get to. This is a this is a movie that's been pushed back a couple times. It is on the list of movies Cody will absolutely never fucking watch. Um, but you two, uh, happened to be together this past weekend and checked it out. So, uh, let me know, let me know if, uh, if I need to change my tune on this one. Uh, if you guys think I need to, to get out and watch it, I, I, I doubt you'll be able to, but give it a shot. <laughs> well, you don't have to get out anywhere. You can watch it right on your, uh, right on your point. Amazon Prime. Fair point. Um, yeah, my spy, um, delayed a couple times, uh, was supposed to come out about a year ago. And, uh, you know, after watching it, Jared and I kind of talked, and it was like, we don't really fully understand why it was pushed back, because it wasn't like a disaster or anything. You know, it was, it was a perfectly fine movie. Uh, but for those who don't know uh, what it is, Dave Bautista, he plays a CIA, CIA agent. Um, he, uh, he he says one line in this movie uh, r- really loudly. I don't, I don't know, Cody, you might have it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I do have it. Give me what I want! Yeah, that's what he's going after the bad guys, and there's a there's a piece of equipment that he uh, that he needs, and he says, "Give me what I want," and then the movie ends. Um, <laughs> but no, he plays JJ, a CIA agent. Um, he is assigned to um, monitor, watch over. Um, if you've seen the trailer, there's a little girl named Sophie, played by Chloe Coleman. Her and her mother. Um, Christian Shaw is also in this. She plays kind of the tech person for JJ. Um, and then Ken Jong is also a notable name in this. He's the CIA director in this. Um, but but uh, Ken, hey, don't laugh. Um, no, I but just think this, <laughs> what? Yeah, only in a comedy does he get cast as that, right? Yeah. You're, yeah I mean, he's, not, o- not only him, but like an Asian in general. Like, yeah. it's, it's probably played for comedy that it's Ken Jong as the director of the CIA. Right. I mean, kinda. He he plays he plays like a you know he's he's stern. So it's not like you know he's he's got power. Um, Batista's kind of you know he's doesn't want to disappoint him. So he's not like you know overly over the top. The movie really isn't super over the top. It's you know not like animated characters. Um, mm-hmm. Like the the girl um, is Sophie. She's definitely like a smart girl, like very perceptive, kind of like she's a, spy a smart as well. girl. Yeah, there you go. Batista's, you know, playing that tough guy, you know, the guy with the tough exterior and all that and, and uh, you know, aggressive and, and macho and uh, that type of thing. Um, but the I think the movie does a good job of, of their relationship, uh, those two. Um, you, you know, definitely has some really sweet moments. You know, it, it, it's kind of a stretch as to, like, how they get into that relationship but once once they get in there it's 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 a nice it's a sweet thing um i think that it did un- the movie did underutilize christian shawl um she she's funny in the movie but she doesn't have a whole lot to do and 
I think with someone who I, I enjoy her and her comedy, especially from like Last Man on Earth and that type of thing, I, I think that she could she definitely um, take on more material, maybe even get more improv moments, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. There's some sweet moments. Um, there's some fun action scenes. The music in the movie is actually really, really good. Um, and uh, I think Batista does a good job driving this um, with the the addition of, of Sophie and, and their relationship. So I enjoyed it. It's a it's a, a decent little movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean it's not anything that's gonna jump off you know the screen. Uh, it's just you know it's 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 a fun kind of lighthearted endearing movie with the relationship between Batista and I think Coley, Chloe Coleman I believe who plays mm-hmm. you know uh, the young girl. It's it's fun. Um, I, I'm I'm curious if how much how much they sold this for slash how much this would have made in the theaters again you know it was delayed it was delayed it was delayed you know there's mo- no movie theaters right now but I just I, I don't know what the backstory of you know this this film is because it seemed like it was it was all okay. Mm-hmm. Is this? Um, I'm I'm okay it, like tr- in trying to categorize this movie. Would you put it in like like? The Rock's game, game plan. plan. Yep. Right? Is, is it pretty comparable? Like, I've seen the game plan. Do I need to watch this, I guess, is the question I'm asking? Or is it substantially the same? I wouldn't say it's the exact... I mean, it's it's different because CIA, football player, but that, like, after I watched it, I was like, oh, that falls into that genre of film. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That I get. And that's that's a well... You know, there's there's room uh there's room for a movie like that so i i certainly don't want to hate on the fact that that this movie exists but it, it doesn't sound like it's maybe up my alley um but um it's, i'm, it's I'm glad to hear that like... it was executed well because i i was out from the premise right so so even given that premise the fact that they accomplished something that was serviceable and that you guys didn't hate i think is a win right so so it being a digestible movie um, for folks who are looking for the the type of movie where a hardened guy gets softened by a, a, a young kid, like that's pretty much what we're getting here, and I, I think that's okay. I don't want to totally shit on it by saying I'm not going to watch it. I, that's just not the type of movie I gradu- gravitate toward. But it sounds like it's a it's a well done version of that movie. Is that am I off base there? No, that, that's right, and, and it's definitely one of those like um, Cody. If if you were like. Just needing, like, kind of like you did with Righteous Gemstones. Like, if you had nothing to watch and wanted to throw something on, you weren't super, like, needing to pay a ton of attention to that type of thing. Definitely worth your time there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's gonna, there, there are a few laugh out loud moments in the movie. Um, that'll, that'll really, a nice, a nice, nice laugh that you'll get out of it. Um, I think, again, uh, the, the, you'll get some nice sentimental moments with Batista and, and, uh, Courtney Coleman. So, is that her name? Uh, that's a girl Chloe we went to Coleman. high school with. Chloe Coleman. Yeah. Yeah. Chloe Coleman. You guys went to yeah, school Courtney with a Coleman. Courtney Coleman? Courtney Coleman. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's close. Close enough. Oh, um, that's so funny. That's it's close enough. We didn't even really know her. So that, that, I, honest, that's honestly, how, that I almost super... said Corey, I almost said Corey Coleman earlier, who's a football player. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. A lot of Coleman's out there. Yeah. Um No, it's it's definitely worth putting on though. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, where can folks catch this? Is it pay to rent? It's Prime. Amazon Prime. Free. Amazon Prime. Oh, it's free. Free on Prime. Yeah. There you go. I yeah. forgot they bought it up. Uh, My Spy. You can catch it on Amazon Prime uh, if you want to check that out. Uh, put it on. If you want to see a, 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 a tough guy's heart get softened, um, check out My Spy, Dave Batista and uh, Chloe Coleman in that one. So, 
check that one out. Uh, Eurovision. Uh, I'm going to skip the rest of that title and straight up are available on Netflix as well. So you can stream all the movies that uh, were reviewed by Seth and Jared today right now. If uh, if you like what you heard. So go and check those out. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right, folks. Well, you know, we're about done with this week's show. But before we go, we got to give you one more thing. We got to give you one more. Th- I can't speak at all today. I end the show. And start the, show. Uh, wow. All right. Uh, before we go. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have it on the board anymore. I must not have saved the board last week. I got to go find that one. Anyway, it's one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I'm actually going to do a video game this week. Um, I picked this up on uh, Oculus Quest uh, for VR, but this is available on all platforms. So you can get this on PlayStation 4, uh, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One. You can get it on Steam. Um, So don't hear VR and and leave. Um, But the game is called Trover Saves the Universe. Um, This is a game made by, uh, created by by Justin Roiland who, along with Dan Harmon, is a co-creator of Rick and Morty. So if you're a fan of Rick and Morty and, more recently, Solar Opposites, uh, which is the Justin Roiland-led show on Hulu, if you're a fan of those, uh, I'm going to recommend this game to you. It is it is super goofy. Um, I, I don't even... So the setup is you, the player, are at Cherorpion, is what you're called. You're a being who can only exist sitting in a chair. say no more yeah so basically you know you um so you you interact with the world by you carry around like a what looks like a a nintendo controller and you everything the cherorpian world is built to be you know lived in by cherorpians so you have your remote con- remote control, and that's how you interact with the world. But then all remote. of a sudden, at the beginning of the game, this monster shows up, and he steals your two dogs. And this monster is this type, this special type of being that takes animals and inserts them into these holes where its eyes would be. So picture just a a, a, a picture like Patrick Star without clothes on. Okay, so a pink kind of blobby looking guy, but instead of having, you know, eyeballs, there's just holes there. And he takes the two puppies and he jams it into his eye holes, the two puppies, and the puppies (laughs) become his eyes and they also give him great power. And the monster starts taking over your world with your puppies in its eyes. That's the beginning of the game. Then Trover shows up and Trover is a... um, He's called an eye hole monster, but he's he's a different race of the monster that we've seen. Um, he's a different version of him that's relatively good, if a, a little bit of an antihero, like he's kind of a bad guy, but he's you know he's on the side of good. Um, and he takes these things called power babies, which are these little tiny humanoid things, and that's what he puts in his eye holes. And th- <laughs> this is so ridiculous. <laughs> and they I give him, am yeah, so Jared, lost. Jared's got a photo of this up on on uh, what we're looking at. So uh, uh, Trover is your friend. So Trover and the Cherorpian, who is you, um, you guys go on a mission to stop the monster and get your puppies back. That's that's the game. 
And um, what's fun about this game, it, it's mechanically pretty fun. They've, they've got some interesting, it's basically a platformer. You're collecting hidden items and there's a little bit of a combat element, but it's essentially a platformer. Um, but then it's in this, this casing of essentially a Rick and Morty or Solar Opposites type world where you've got all these different types of beings with really wacky names. Um, I just interacted with a character who is called Doopy Duper. <laughs> and, and there's just these really weird eclectic characters with these really eclectic needs and these really funny things that happen in the plot. But then even just the, the regular goings-on of the game have this really funny dialogue that you're going to be familiar with if you already know the work of Justin Roiland. So if you already know Rick and Morty or Solar Opposites, definitely get this because well, I should say, if you already know and like that world, because it is heavily that world. Like if you hate Rick and Morty or Solar Opposites, you're not going to like this game at all. Don't get it. But if you already like those, those things and those worlds, um, this is another similar world where you can have it as a video game instead. And I'm having a lot of fun with it, but I would really stress that it's just for fans of Justin Roiland already. So uh, if you are, this is long-winded for a one more thing, but check out Trophy Saves the Universe because I'm having a blast with it. Really, really am enjoying it. Um, and you can get it on all platforms. So find, find wherever it is um, you want to check that out. But it's a fun one, so I'd recommend it. So that's, that's it. I'll, an extended one more thing to recommend that game because it needed a long explanation so. with its setup. <laughs> but, um, yeah, recommend that one. Boom. Off to you guys. This thing looks like the most bizarre, batshit, crazy, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, a blast. I, and it knows. I, I want to play it. It knows, too. It's, it's really fun because even they do things and then they go, wow, that's really dumb, isn't it? Good thing we're in a video game. Like, it's that type of kind of third wall breaking, it's aware of itself type. It really is fun. Mm-hmm. And, and even, even if you put it on mute, it's a pretty good platformer. So it's, it's a big recommend for me for mm-hmm. folks who, again, you have to be willing to handle some of that dialogue from those guys, which is a specific type that I don't even really care to explain right now. But if you know it, you know it. Um, so if you're willing to endure some of that dialogue, then get the game. Big yeah. Um, for my one more thing, I mean, this happened maybe two weeks ago, but, you know, it's it's kind of quarantine time. Sometimes you're kind of experimenting a little bit. And grilling, I was over at the store, and I was like, you know what? Let's see if I can cook uh, like baby back ribs or just ribs on the grill and barbecue, do all that stuff. So I, I had tried it, you know, about a month ago, and we we were in over our head. Um, the second time though, I went to Fairway, local place here in Iowa. Um, I got a good rub, rub that down through the through the yeah, rub that meat, rub them ribs. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> but then um, threw them in the oven for you know at three hundred degrees about an hour flip another hour you know the whatever you know you you know how to cook ribs people um but then threw them on the grill with a nice barbecue for a couple or about five minutes each side get that caramelized on it and whatnot and they were so darn good i will say that the rub and the barbecue kind of clashed a bit so i feel like i could (laughs) i could i could do better next time but just kind of learning because the grill like i i i told Seth this last weekend that I kind of taught myself how to cook and all of that. There's a much longer winded story of behind all of that. 
but I grilling is probably the last thing that I've taught myself, like how to grill good. Like if you can grill a good steak, then you you know your way around it. And I'm still working on getting the best, like the perfect steak essentially. Um, but I wanted to try ribs. They turned out really well, and I did kind of mention to him like like a tease. I said, when you guys come here in July or whatever, I will make you guys ribs or grill something. Like I think that'd be cool oh. just to try it out. I guess. Oh my gosh! I will I will ranch my pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna bring ranch like Cody. I'll bring like a, something else like t- potato yeah, salad yeah. or something. Just bring that huge. <laughs> bucket of potato salad you bought this week. I should have just left that, yeah. <laughs> you took potato, oh. potato salad? The potato salad I call dibs on. If we're, if we're having a cookout, I'm bringing the potato salad. That's always well, what then, I choose to bring. Then don't bring any fucking ranch. We don't need that around there. Just sm- no, I, smother the ribs in ranch. Oh, no, not Cody's <laughs> ranch. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you want all that ranch. Um, I'll try to keep it in my pants. I'll wear my tightest pants that day, so no ranch gets where it's <laughs> Seth, what's on your mind besides Pants Ranch? <laughs> well, I don't know how to make this transition, but I'm going to do it. Um, so one thing that's been... been uh, God, this is an awful transition. Um, one thing that's been in the news over the last uh, week or so are uh, TV shows and movies um, using blackface. And oh, what yeah. a terrible speaking transition. Of, sp- speaking of ribs. <laughs> yeah, speaking of ribs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. Um, but one one show that used it a few times and I've been listening to the Rewatch podcast is Scrubs. And so they um, they released like a, a, a separate podcast this week where they had the creator Bill Lawrence and then um, Zach Braff and Donald Faison and then as well uh, Sarah Chalk who played um, uh, Elliot. Jesus Christ. I always forget her name. I yeah. don't know why. Because she goes um, by so many different things. That's why. Yeah. No, almost yeah. no one actually calls her Elliot. Yeah. Um, but they, because they were all involved with, with the, there's like three episodes that they did that in. And so they had announced earlier in the week that they were going to take all the episodes down. And then a bit later on, they're going to edit out the, just those moments. Because they're all like flashbacks and stuff like that. So they can kind of edit that stuff around that stuff. Um, but they just don't have people available to do it with the pandemic and, and that type of thing. So for the meantime, they took it down. But then they had a 45-minute podcast where they just kind of discussed that. And then they had their producer on the show, uh, Joelle Monique, is, um, which, Cody, you might recognize her from, like, Schmodown and stuff. Uh, she'd been on – she's kind of in that – she's been on Schmodown and um, in that there. space. Um, but she's the producer on, on that podcast, and so she was – she had – off air and then on air kind of talk to them about um, the history of blackface and why it's offensive. And because like in one of the episodes, Turk does whiteface with while JD is doing blackface. And mm-hmm. so like, um, you know, Turk had talked about like being on the show and, or not Turk, but Donald Faison talked about being on the show and, and, you know, kind of how he thought um, at the time that it, it was more of a joke because he was involved, but now he's, you know, changed his views on it and, and all, all that stuff. They, they really talk really open and honest about everything that, that, you know, kind of what, what, why, why their views have changed on that and, and how their views have changed on that and what they've done differently now and what they're going to do differently in the future. It's really interesting, really honest podcast. Um, there's some laughs throughout there too, you know, just joking on other things, but it's a uh, it's a really honest discussion about it all and them addressing those things and and talking about what they'll do to change it. So 
Um, I, I love that podcast in general because they've been, they have been pretty open about a lot of other issues that have gone on in the show, like jokes that wouldn't pass nowadays because that was made 20 years ago now. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's an, it's just an interesting discussion and something that kind of still like makes, makes as someone who's learning more and more as more and more stuff comes around about the, the black lives matter movement and stuff, it makes me, uh, think about it more and, and, and want to educate myself more on it too so interesting podcast to listen to as that topic has become more more popular with entertainment and movies and tv kind of um taking those those moments where they used blackface and like addressing it and and whether it is editing it or just kind of giving a a, some sort of warning ahead of it so Mm -hmm. something interesting to, to check out this is cool. Yeah, send me a link to that specific episode because uh, I'd like to hear it, but then I'll make sure and, and put it in the description box so folks can get directly to it. So check out a link for that um, in the description box. I do think it's yeah, really the- cool when you can, I, I mean the royal you, um, when you can have a conversation about it, right? It, it, if the conversation is just, it's bad, take it down, that doesn't really mm-hmm. help everybody. And it certainly doesn't help everybody to go, it's okay, leave it up. But somewhere in the middle is, is what should happen. And it sounds like this is maybe a good example of that, where we're having a dialogue about it, maybe hearing a couple different points of view and just honestly taking a look at it. Um, this is something that uh, I know we all are fans of Tropic Thunder in this on the show. And someone asked me recently what I thought about that. And I told them, I was like, honestly, I, I'm not really sure um, what I think. Like, I'm OK with with it, with Blackface and Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. But my reasons for that, I'm not certain of. And I think that that's mm-hmm. okay. I think, I think it's important uh, not to get too far down this, this road here, but um, it's important to be honest about how we're thinking with the idea that we can improve. And I think that that's what these guys are opening themselves up to, and I think that that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think with, like, Tropic Thunder... And obviously, I'm not the one to say whether it's okay or not. But like with Tropic Thunder, I think while why people in general, I'll say that why people in general, I think are more okay, more okay with it is that the the role and the the reason that he that Donnie Jr. does it is is kind of a commentary on blackface in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's obviously that movie. It, it's it's not really an educational tool, but. It, it does make it statement within the art of it. Whereas like with the scrubs thing, it's done as a joke yeah, and, and solely just a joke. And so while like Tropic Thunder and that role is funny, it also is a commentary. Whereas like the scrubs things, um, while, you know, at the time done, not, you know, they, they, they didn't mean to do it in an offensive way it, it, back then. It's like now people are learning more that oh yeah that is still even though it's not meant to be done it's still offensive so mm-hmm. you know it's it, i think there there's a difference there it's good that they're going back to correct it like you said and and learn more about it and like you said discuss it um and even to a point like they talk about too um some of the stuff that like with Zach Braff where he did the blackface like he talked about some scenes he didn't feel uncomfortable with but there was others that he did uh, at mm-hmm. the time and you know didn't speak up and and all that too so it's on everyone to kind of take a look at it and 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 analyze it um but uh, yeah i think there, there's and it's very rare like i can't think of any other thing piece of art other than tropic thunder where you could say it's potentially like done as as a commentary like i think everything right. else that you can possibly think of is done 
as a joke at the time was to be done as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. So good, good conversations being had over on the, uh, uh, real, uh, fake, fake, fake doctors, yeah, real friends. Fake, Do I have fake that right? doctors. Yeah, fake doctors, real friends, and you know, if you listen to this one too, you get the you get the taste, uh, the treat of the theme song, which is fantastic. There you go. You're definitely going to want to check that one out. Um, fake doctors, real friends. Um, <laughs> cook up some ribs. <laughs> 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 cook up some ribs and and play Trover saves the universe this week. And one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's going to bring us to the end of episode 150 of the soco show big big shouts out once again uh to to i we we got to come up with an official name at jared buckendall but uh jared thanks thanks for being back on uh what do you got coming out what can folks look forward to over on the youtubes this week no as always thank you guys for what four months now almost of being on the <laughs> podcast um very much appreciated um i'm trying to think yes a warrior nun on july 2nd and then July 3rd, I believe another Netflix movie, Desperados, that I was given early access to. And then I might check out Hamilton. I don't know if I'm going to review it. I don't know how you really review a, a musical that was recorded. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I just want to see it because I've never seen it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can tell you, I will be definitely watching it this weekend. So, Hamilton Talk next week uh, on the show. You can look forward ham to that. Ham Talk. Uh, ham Talk. <laughs> I can do Ham Talk. Yeah, there you go. Seth, you eat some hams, and uh, and Jared and I will watch Hamilton. And yeah. We'll have ham talk next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, big shouts out, of course, to our sponsors. Check out their links in the description box. And, of course, one last shout out. Uh, big thanks to all of our contributors and everyone who listened or shared or clicked on and didn't listen an episode of the show during the month of June. Just know um, all of those dollars are going to a good place to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so again, we appreciate you guys not only for listening and spending the time with us, but for contributing to a cause that's important to us. So, um, we really appreciate that. Of course, um, more, more goofiness and hilarity will ensue. Um, one thing Jared didn't mention that I want to draw some attention to, um, you guys just did a podcast. The two of you guys just did an episode. Is that a Patreon exclusive over there for you, Jared, or is that on the main channel? No, that's on the main channel, and um, yeah, that was posted on Monday of this week, uh, what, June June 29th? So jump yep. over there if you want to see Seth and I kind of what talk about a little bit of like nostalgic 2000s TV shows and cartoons. I don't know. We're kind of all over the place in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So I'm sure some great stuff there. I haven't heard it myself. Uh, also, Shot Ones. Uh, is in the post-production lab. So make sure you guys keep an eye out uh, on Jared's Patreon for that one. Um, yeah, I you're think... You're not going to want to miss I it. I think for that one, it will be Patreon time exclusive, and then it will probably put out to public just because of the time commitment that is going to be put into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make sure you guys don't miss that one. Um, I know the guys worked pretty hard and for a long time on that. So if you miss everything else, first of all, don't. But um, <laughs> make sure make sure you catch out this episode of Shot Ones, uh, and potentially maybe a little bit of a tease. Uh, potentially, yours truly will be joining the guys on an episode of Shot Ones in the not too distant future. So um, more to come on all of those fronts. But you know, keep it locked on on JB's channel at Jared Buckendall, so that you don't miss any of that good stuff. But uh, anyways, that's gonna again wrap it up for episode number one hundred and fifty of the show of the Soco Show. 
Uh, for Jared Buckendall and the so host Seth Ott, I've been the co host Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye. <clears throat> Bye.